Welcome to Busy House Happy Home, where you can ask Charlie your home dilemmas and I will help you along with my expert friends so your busy house becomes a happy home. Um, I would like to welcome Sarah to the podcast. Now, Sarah is in America and I have got to know her via Instagram and I just think she is a breath of fresh air. Her blog is called Fewer and Better and I just love everything that Sarah stands for. I completely resonate. And one thing that, that really made me chuckle, she's got a blog post which says take care of your clothes and they will take care of you and I was teaching on my efficient home course recently talking about your appliances if you take care of them they will take care of you so I wanted to invite Sarah onto the podcast to chat about what she does and just have a lovely conversation with her so Sarah welcome it's lovely to have you here thank you so much for having me this is really exciting um, so Sarah, tell our listeners a little bit about you, where you live. Um, yeah. Sure. So I am from New York City originally. Um, my father was in the army, so we moved around a lot. Unfortunately, nowhere too exciting, but we did live in Texas for a while, which it was pretty fun. Yeah, I bet um, it got warmer yeah. too. It was a lot warmer. My uh, dad's brother lives in Houston, so we got to see them a lot and go riding. They had um, a farm in Texas that wasn't too far from where we were. So that was nice. We lived in Colorado for twice, actually, um, in Colorado Springs, and I went to college in Colorado at Boulder. Oh, really? And then we were in Maryland for the longest amount of time. Okay. And where, and where do you live now? I live on Long Island uh, outside of New York City uh, on the North Shore of Long Island. So if you have seen Sabrina with Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart, that area, or the remake with Harrison Ford and Juliet Ormond. Yeah, I, I have. And actually, I've been there too. Uh, oh, okay, great. But yeah, I know, I know exactly where you are. And tell us a little bit about your blog and how you got into it and where the inspiration came from too. Sure. So I missed reading long form blog posts a lot. That was kind of the impetus behind starting it. Like a lot of people during the pandemic, I stopped commuting. So I had a lot more time on my hands. Even though we live very close to Manhattan, we have a very slow train into the city. So it, it freed up a lot of time. Yeah. I have a toddler. Well, he's a little bit older now. But when he was starting to do more things on his own, I thought, oh, you know, there's this gap in my life that I can fill with writing, not a gap of, a more of a gap of time. There was a little bit more time than I had. I also work full-time, so it was nice to carve out something just for me to do. Yeah. And I was going through my belongings. I had a mother who passed away almost five years ago and I inherited a lot of her things and I wanted to make sure that I took care of them in a way that, made them last you know those are the things that I really cherish I realize that like the J. Crew sweaters in my life can come and go but the things that belong to people who were important to me are more forever so yeah. that's I, yeah. kind of what started I think that's why I really resonate with you because I lost my mom um 
about the same sort of time and her possessions that I have I really treasure and I really enjoy using them and um I feel close to her when I when I wear her things I've got yeah yes that's exactly it and I studied anthropology in high school and college and we this is really esoteric and I thought about writing a blog post about it but I decided it was a little too much for right now we spent a lot of time studying the Trobriand Islanders uh, in the South Pacific, and they have this trading circle called the Kula, and it's jewelry that's made out of shells, and it cycles around this archipelago, and each piece of jewelry is imbued with part of the essence of the person who owned it before. So it's not an inherently valuable thing. It's, you know, jewelry made out of a shell but it becomes valuable because of who owned it. So that's something that really resonated with me. Like I think of my mom when I wear her clothes, her shoes, I try to be a better person. And that's something that she's always been my biggest inspiration. So it's nice to be able to connect with her on a deeper level and think about the ways that she still impacts my life today. Yeah, absolutely. I completely, completely agree. I wear one of my mother's rings all the time and I just, yeah, I love having, having it close, having it there. And actually, I think I have a bit of a nervous um, tick. I often hold it and fiddle with it when I'm, when I'm anxious. And I think it's me sort of connecting with her. Um, yeah. 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 So you, um, you write, how often do you put your blog posts out or is it just as when you, something comes to mind? I try to do three or four a week and I write them in advance. None of them are particularly time sensitive. I did do like a gift guide thing um, around the holidays, but that was less about, oh, buy things. It's more about, oh, these are gifts that you will, you know, cherish forever. I don't necessarily plan to plan on redoing it because it's kind of an evergreen thing Yeah, where you, you know, it's, it's more meaningful. I think that finding meaning in your possessions is the most important thing. And because they can have a meaning if you choose them correctly. Yeah, absolutely they can. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I really enjoyed reading your um, black tie guide. I thought that was so helpful. I um, wanted to be a fashion designer and evening wear was something that I specialized in for a, a short period of time. I made um, evening dresses for friends and uh, for friends of friends for, you know, Levers balls and 21st birthdays and things like that. And I would only go to a party in something that I had worn. And I really enjoyed reading your guide because it's I think a lot of people do need help. I love the thing about, you know, what short dresses is for cocktail parties. Um, yes, that is a non-negotiable for me. It is a non-negotiable, absolutely. And you said something about um, if you had, you know, silver on your shoes, make sure that your clutch doesn't have gold in it. And just those little things make such a difference to an outfit and taking a bit of time and care in what you're mm -hmm. wearing and how you present yourself if you're feeling good in what you're wearing you feel confident and then you give off an aura of you know of confidence and self-assurance and I loved reading that because 
it just completely resonated your words with with how I think. So um, that's a really great one. And I'll leave all of Sarah's details in the show notes with links to her blog so you can go and read uh, what we're talking about. But I really, really enjoyed that. Thank you. I actually had the best time writing that. I was planning a black tie event for work and we had been planning it for almost three years by the time it actually happened because of the pandemic. Um, but you know, people forget how to dress in America. We don't have so many occasions where you do dress up. So I felt that that was more of a need for 21st birthdays in America. They're far less elegant um, <laughs> uh, because that's when you can legally start to drink. So that's more what people do. Yeah. Uh, so, and we have fewer events where people get dressed up. There's also a lot of confusion, as you mentioned about the short gown, the long gown, always long. It's just, it looks much nicer, but the th the core thing- it. And there's a time and a yes. for short dresses. Exactly, and that's a cocktail party. Holiday, things like that, um, yeah. Exactly, or if you're going out for a nice dinner. Exactly, the older I'm getting, the more I like to wear long dresses. Um, it just, it feels much nicer. It feels like it's a much nicer occasion and it is a special thing. It's not something that happens every week. Although I do have friends who seem to go out to black tie things every week, but for the vast majority of us, it is not an every week thing. Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes, but the comfort thing, you if you feel comfortable and confident in yourself, it doesn't matter if you found your dress at a vintage shop or if you inherited it or if you spent $5,000 on it. I know a lot of people who have custom gowns made and then they feel really uncomfortable in them because they wanted it to be in style or there's sequins and it's itchy, whatever. But then it doesn't look as nice. They're just fidgeting all evening. It's not nice. If you are comfortable, in what you are wearing then you are confident and then you are poised and it looks you just look so much better you feel much better you'll enjoy yourself and you won't look back at the photos from the event and say oh I hated that dress yeah. you know you'll say oh I loved that I felt so good in that yeah it was absolutely. a great evening I'm so excited that we have a sponsor for our first season of the podcast popandflow.com. Pop and Flow is beautiful homeware, jewellery, scarves, towels. They just have beautiful, beautiful things. Hannah that runs it brings me joy. Her website brings me joy. It makes me happy. And so I'm really thrilled that they are a sponsor for the podcast. And Hannah has kindly given us a discount code of charlie10, when you purchase anything from her website. I will leave all the details to popandflow.com down in the show notes. Do take a look because it brings me joy and I hope it will to you as well. And you just touched on vintage there. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yes. Because I, I love vintage clothes. I love vintage too and pre-loved things, yeah. I love pre-loved things. I love giving things another life. That's super important to me. And I really like knowing the story behind them. So I do do a fair bit of vintage shopping. We have a great um, opportunity shop at the church near our house, the St. John's, at uh, the barn of St. John's. That is amazing. And 
you can get some really beautiful, beautiful things there for, for nothing, which is very nice. But I like knowing the stories behind things. So the vintage things that I treasured the most belong to people that I loved, not just my mother and my grandmother, but my grandmother's best friend. I inherited a lot of her sweaters and uh, cocktail attire and purses. And I always think of her when I use them. Yeah, it's really lovely, isn't it? I have a lot of my grandmother's things and my mother's. Um, yeah, and a few things from from special special ladies in my life. And it's such a joy to use them and to think. Well, for me to know that it's still being used and loved and treasured and goes to, you know, lovely occasions and then gets yes. put away carefully for the next time if we look after our possessions and our clothes they will look after us and I hope that Coco my daughter will use things um, you know in the future and yeah can you give us some tips about how to look after things and what you do sure so I have a great pair of suede loafers that I wear all the time I post about them all the time. I'm sure everyone's sick of seeing them, but they're great and they're very comfortable. They are beautiful. They're handmade, which is so nice. And you just know the craftsmanship is there. The quality is there. It's worth the price. And that's also an issue that I take into consideration because these will last me forever. Um, so for those, I'll spray those with Scotchgard to make sure that if for some reason I got caught in the rain or in Manhattan right after it snowed and there's ice and the salt on the roads, it's not going to get stained. There's actually a special Scotch guard for that, which I find really, really helpful. Um, and then for more delicate things, we have a lot of specialty shops in our town, which is very helpful. There's someone who redoes vintage furs um, to make them more modern, which is cool. And I'm, I'm working on a post about that, yeah. which will be airing later in the year, I guess in the fall. Um, but then, you know, there's a great cobbler who knows how to take care of satin slippers for dancing, which is really nice because then I don't have to worry about that. I, my biggest tip is find the experts and then figure out a way to get your things to them if you need help. Yes. I saw yeah. something the other day. Um, I can't even remember where it was, but it was somebody saying, you need to get a good tailor and never give their number to anybody else. Yes, exactly, because then they, everyone else will take their spaces. We have several great tailors in our town, which is nice. But the, the shoe thing, the shoes are much easier because tailors you do need to know and love and they need to know and love you. But um, for shoes in the US, there's a company called Leather Spa and they don't just do leather shoes, which is nice. They'll do everything. They clean my needlepoint slippers, they resole them, they'll do the satin shoes. They do everything, which is really nice. So there are a lot of places where you can send things in and then they'll send them back to you. But I do think that looking in your local community or in your larger metro area, if you're more in the country is very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about buying a few really beautiful pieces and looking after them or, or inheriting. Right. Uh, you yes, know. you don't need, you know, you don't need so much stuff. We all have so much stuff. And I think that the pandemic brought a lot of that home to people. You don't need all of that. I mean, I looked at my closet when I was working from home and I said, oh, well, I don't need this. I'm not 
wearing this. I haven't worn this. The tags are still on this. So I donated a lot of things, which I thought was important to do. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to be able to pass them along to someone else who would like or love them. Yeah, exactly. And recycle them and um, yeah, the, cir the circle of life with clothes continues. Yes, um, exactly. You, tu you touched on fur a moment ago. What's the feeling with vintage fur, uh, vintage fur in America with people wearing? Oh, it's not good. So I think that I'm pretty much an outlier for this. I have a lot of people that I am friends with on Instagram who are very anti-fur. So I hope they're not offended by this. I would never buy new fur. Like I don't buy the Canada goose jackets that are trimmed, whatever. Uh, this was a, a coat of my grandmother's that I inherited from her. And it's lovely, it's beautiful, but I can't wear it. She was a little bit larger than I am uh, size-wise. We were the same height, so that's perfect. But it's also, um, she bought this one when she was in her early 70s. So it's more for a style of a woman in her 70s. And I'm 32. So I'd rather have something that's a little more modern, still very classic. So I'm going to be taking that out of storage and bringing it in and I'm going to document the process. Like yeah. if you do have a vintage fur, but it doesn't really work for you, you, well, you should give it a new life. You know, that's important. Otherwise it's just sitting there. And then what was the point yeah. for the animal? And I the wear my mother and grandmother's fur and <laughs> I'm proud to wear that. But again, like you, I wouldn't buy new I wouldn't buy it today and I'm conscious about you know fur collars and things like that but I do love wearing um the, the vintage fur particularly because it was in the family and I enjoy that it's still being used and worn and actually right. you know what would you do with it it would either go to the charity shop or it would be thrown away and Actually, a fur coat can be really, really elegant or just a wrap. I've got a lovely wrap, which is beautiful over an evening gown to go out rather than a shawl. I just will put that on um, and really in enjoy wearing it. Yeah. Yes, I do too. And I think that if you aren't using something, whatever it is, even if it's less charged than a fur coat, it is a waste. Then what was the point in someone sitting down to craft it? Their craftsmanship is just being wasted. So it is important to give things a new life. So that's why I'm excited to write this post and also to be able to wear this mink. That will be very nice to have, yeah. especially because it gets very cold here. <laughs> yes, it does get very cold there. I remember landing in Boston. So my husband's got a fish business and he used to go... Um, pre-pandemic every year to the Boston Seafood Show and I would go with him and I remember once arriving it was my first visit and it's in early March and we stepped out of the airport and I couldn't breathe it was so cold the cold just yes it's freezing <laughs> it was just I was so shocked I wasn't ready for that I think if you know that it's going to be freezing cold you can be prepared but I come from a warm plane a warm airport and stepped outside and it took my breath yes away. and actually it is very interesting if you think about the historical aspects and you look at the uh, English settlers and the Dutch settlers who came to America and they if you look at the uh, passenger lists on these ships and then you see their 
employment. A lot of people will say gentleman next to them. And then it's less successful because you assume that you're going to a climate that's very similar from the one you're leaving because on the map you are at the same space but it is so much colder here because of the the gulf stream because we have the cold part here and then it's warm in europe so it is so much colder even if the thermometer reads the same it's just much more frigid here yeah and so actually fur is really you know there's a reason why they used to use fur because it keeps warm Um, yes yeah yeah exactly yeah um so you also talk about storing clothes um seasonal clothes and I found that really really um good to read I do exactly the same thing (laughs) I've got a YouTube video on that and you know dealing with moths and not storing things in cardboard boxes because they won't store well yeah Yes, I, um, so for my academic background, I guess I studied anthropology and archaeology for a long time. So a lot of that goes hand in hand with archival preservation, because you want to preserve the documents, the artifacts, everything to make sure that things are stored properly so that you can look at them in 50 years time, 100 years time, and they won't have degraded. So I think about clothes in that way as artifacts that deserve preservation so it is really 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 crucial to get it right because you can't go back and get another one especially if you're talking about vintage clothes you know if a moth gets at it you can take it to be rewoven but that is not always effective and it's also extremely costly yeah so yeah Yeah, I love um I love the fact that we can use things from our education and from our you know what we've learned uh, in our younger years and bring it into everyday life with you with your archaeology and you know that's brilliant yes and I love that I love being able to apply what I've learned to real life and I like looking at things through an anthropological lens because you get people don't really do that with your own culture you'll look at another culture and you'll say oh that's so interesting or that's so strange but when you're looking at your own culture, you know, you you kind of are so familiar with it, you don't see it anymore. So it is really fascinating to me to turn that lens on what I grew up with, the things around me, that sort of thing. Yeah. And you obviously grew up with your mother and your grandmother loving beautiful, um, beautiful things and looking after them to pass that on to you, which is so special. Yes. And I wish I had more of their talent with design, but I'm working on that. And I wish I had them to bounce ideas off of. But it was really special to see the work that they did and to still be able to see some of it. They, uh, My grandmother did a lot of private houses as an interior decorator, but she also did a lot of um, historic houses in our area that are museums. So there's one, an arboretum down the road from us called Planting Fields. And there's the main house of the family that lived there, the Coe family. Uh, And she redid some of the rooms in the house when they opened as a museum. So it's nice to be able to go there and see her work. Yeah. My mother. Yes, it is really special. And uh, I'm looking forward to showing my little one the next time we go. And then I'll be able to say, oh, your great grandmother did this room. That was her, her work of art. 
And then for my mother, uh, she did not like private clients as an interior designer at all, which is understandable. <laughs> she had one private client. <laughs> yes, she had one private client who was one of her best friends. And then she almost had a second, but uh, Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits, yeah. um, because he was she was friends with his wife, uh, but then they separated. So she did not get to design there. London townhouse, which was unfortunate. That was unfortunate. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was, you know, I, when I was clearing or going through her things, I found her folder of like all the interior shots of their townhouse and then all of her plans. So that was really neat to see what she would have done with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But she mostly did hotels. She worked at the Plaza Hotel in the 80s and oversaw the redesign. Um, of that so you can see that in home alone too uh oh, the yeah. guest room and all the private space or the public spaces that's what she I did that, i know that movie well the children yes. love home alone so we've watched it so many times that's amazing yes me too and it's so nice to to know that my mother did that and you know i i watched that more i mean the movie is great but i watched that more for that than anything else and then she, another thing that was captured on film was uh, the National Arts Club. She, it's a private club in Gramercy Park in Manhattan. And they used it for the Age of Innocence with Daniel Day-Lewis wow. as uh, Newland yeah. Archer's townhouse. So yeah. all of that was her work as well. That's so wonderful, Sarah. How lovely. Yeah. It's nice to have that because yeah. she, especially because she isn't here. I don't have a lot of photos of her work. So it's nice to have some of them immortalized Absolutely. in film. Yeah, very talented um, family that you come from. Do you have um, a love of interiors as well? Is that something that you're drawn to? Yes, absolutely. I just find that I have a difficult time making up my mind because it's for us. It's easy. It's easier to do like a floor plan for me, but it's harder to commit to a color scheme or fabrics because there are so many things that I love. And I also only want to do things one time. Yeah, I am not the sort of person who, I mean, I enjoy the process, but I don't want to do things again and again and again. Yeah. I'd rather get it right the first time because it's less wasteful, not yeah. financially, yeah. although yes, also financially. Um, but, you know, you think of reupholstering a chair and the work that goes into that, the 10 yards of fabric per chair. Yeah. And then- doing that again and again and again just I like just picking things one time so it's a little harder to do we're yeah. at the cusp in my uh, little one's life where we're just almost able to have nicer things now so I'm yeah. holding off a little bit longer yeah and actually that's really really sensible because I didn't and there are some things that need to be reupholstered that the children, um, I've had to ban slime from the house. Oh, yes. Putty. We've got a beautiful armchair that has been not ruined, but there are a few marks that I just can't get out. And it's so disheartening. Um, it is. I think slip covers are great, though, for that, because at least you can definitely zip them off and send them to be dry cleaned. Absolutely. Definitely. I'm a 
big fan of being able to take things off and wash them. Um, yes. But I think it's really sensible when you've got a young family not to spend a fortune um, on, on things. Um, so you're not yes. heartbroken when they get ruined or, or put special things in a room that's not for every day, you know, that, that right. you're supervising. We've got um, our drawing room, which the children don't really go in. And <laughs> I don't want anything in there getting wrecked. <laughs> We right. And that makes sense. That's absolutely that. sensible. But I just, I make sure that the door is kept closed. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yes, yeah, some of the things that I am thinking about, though, interiors wise, I inherited a lot of furniture as well from my mother and my grandmother. My grandmother and one of my aunts had a fabric design company called Hallie Greer in the 80s and 90s and it was described as America's version of Laura, or Laura Ashley so oh, you know wow. that style which is great but uh, we don't have any I don't know why but my aunt doesn't have any more of the fabrics that she designed and she designed some really beautiful textiles I don't even think she has the the artwork from it anymore and so I don't know where that is which is a shame I have a few pieces that were upholstered in this fabric which is wonderful. There's a toile that's so beautiful that I love. And then a beautiful, I have a beautiful silk love seat uh, that I really, really, really want to take care of. So that's in storage right now until it's like appropriate with a young one and to have, because that is irreplaceable. There's no way I could ever get that done again because yeah. there is no more of that fabric. That's really sad, but maybe you could take that piece to somebody and have it recreated. Yes, and I have been playing around with that idea. I do have like a bolt, two bolts of fabric, um, one of the toile uh, print. I don't know why, but my grandmother had these little bed curtains made out of it for a doll's bed that I had, which is nice, but it just... <laughs> It's a lot. So I have that, which is nice. But then I had all of this extra fabric. So I could have some of that reprinted, which is nice. But the the silk, I found someone upholstered an ottoman in that silk recently. I found that on Cherish. So I have to see if they have any more of that because I would be interested in acquiring that. It would yeah. be nice to be able to revive that. It would be really lovely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And have you got do your ideas for your blog posts just sort of come as you're going about your day uh, do people ask you where does your inspiration sort of come from I had a friend who helped me write a list of things before I launched the blog of yeah. things that she would be interested in reading um so just a couple things but it was a, a good starting point and then I get people who write in to me oh will you do a post on this will you do something on that Otherwise, I keep a running list in a notebook or on my phone, although I'm trying to stay more away from my phone during the day, yeah. which is nice. I'm, I'm exactly the same. Actually, I have people that message and say, oh, could you do something on this? And 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 then I'll just be going about my day and suddenly think, oh, I might share that. Um, you know, that might that might be useful. It might resonate with a few people. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's lovely. Yeah. You know, the community, isn't it? When people ask you to share you know for your ideas and your advice um yes and I love that and I love being able to connect with my readers it feels strange to say that 
my readers, you know, that people are reading what I'm writing, which is very exciting. And I love when people write in, like if they send me a message on Instagram, if they send me an email, it's really nice. And it's a nice, I feel like it's less of a, a static thing. You know, I'm not writing a novel. It's writing something to be read and discussed. So I like being able to have virtual discussions with people. Yeah, it's really lovely. And it's, you know, it's it's how I connected with you, um, just seeing, um, seeing what you were posting and I just you know fewer and better is is how I think you know um and looking after things and having treasured possessions and so I I really enjoy what you write about and really lovely advice too um through your blog posts in a very gentle kind way you um you write really beautifully Thank you. And I love reading yours and watching your vlogs. I get so much inspiration for like making things nicer and neater around the house, making the house happier. I need to enroll in your efficient home course the next time around because I just don't have time right this minute, but I do want to the next time because I'm really interested in that. I think for me, I mean, Ask Charlie is all about making life easier and then the podcast is you know we all have busy lives we all have lots going on but if we try to have a happy home it just lifts everything you just feel better and I think um, for me it's really important that as much as we possibly can we have a happy home environment and yes there are moments that are a little bit fractious and a little bit stressful but it's learning to change your attitude and to change the way you react to things and just taking a moment and thinking hang on is this really a big deal I had a little bit of a disaster this morning Simon's away and I was expecting Gus to be picked up at 7 15 and the car didn't come to get him and it didn't know oh, and it didn't come and I could have gone into completion out of panic mode and I was like it's fine we're just going to all hurry up Gus, you're just going to have to wait. I'm going to drop those two and then you're going to be late for school, but it's fine. It's not a big deal. And I just try to approach the panic situation with a good attitude and a gracious heart and not stress everybody out because what's the point, actually? You can't change right. things. Exactly. It's often not an emergency. And if you make it into emer- an emergency, it feels so much worse. Yes, exactly. And it is. Yeah. And then you really get stressed and then it wrecks the rest of your day, which there's no point. And I think you need to uh, save those emergency reactions for emergencies. Um, Exactly. And I, I feel especially with everything going on in the world, you know, I feel so lucky to be in a safe place, to have a safe home for my child, my husband. You know, we are okay. It's not going to be it's going to be okay, you know, and that's something that I'm trying to keep in perspective as well. You know, we are lucky. Yes, I might be having a rough day at some point, but it's not as bad as other people. And I feel like just being able to see everything on the news so immediate, it is so, it's so sad and it's so, you know, it's impossible to look away from and it's impossible not to compare yourself to you know, the, the people that you see, just everyday people, just like you. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think we've just got to be really grateful for everything that we have. And 
not take anything for granted. And I think the pandemic has taught us that. And now with the situation with Russia and Ukraine, we have to just, you know, be grateful for everything and, um, and be kind and thoughtful to others. Exactly. I think that the kindness is crucial as well. Because, you know, just every, you know, everything, the pandemic, Ukraine, literally everything else, it just feels like if you can just take one extra second and think, do I really need to snap at someone because they're late or because they didn't get something from the store if I ordered groceries to be delivered, whatever. It's not that important. Yeah. You can be nice and that makes everyone stay a little bit better. Yeah. And it should, you know, it shouldn't be like a, a life or death thing because it, it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's put everything into perspective, has, hasn't it? Um, yes, definitely. Years. Yeah. Sarah, it's been so lovely chatting to you. Thank you. Yes, you too. Much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so nice. This was my first ever podcast interview. So thank you for making it such a delightful experience. Oh, Sarah, you're so welcome. Thank you so much. And I will leave all of Sarah's details in the show notes below. But Sarah, will you tell our listeners, you know, where the best places to find you and, and, and get in touch with you? Sure. So I have an Instagram, which is fewer and better blog. And then the website is fewerandbetterblog.com. So either place is great to reach me and please reach out and say hi. Always love to chat with people. Well, that's lovely. And I love um, on your blog, on your website, there are so many comments and interactions, which is really lovely to see, um, you know, that that community that you've built. Sarah, thank you. And it's been so, so lovely um, meeting you properly and chatting. Thank you. Thank you so much. I would be really grateful if you are enjoying my podcast, if you would just take a moment to hit the subscribe button. It helps other people know that we exist and I would be so grateful of that. And leave me a review. The more subscribers we have, the more I can put on for you so please just take a moment and hit the subscribe button.